Let me just open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your amazing grace, Lord. And we thank you that you love us so much that you are willing to give us hard things to draw us close to you. I pray, Father, that we would just be able to see that very clearly today. And we pray all these things in the wonderful, awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Does everybody have the handout? There's a little, there's going to be a lot. If you haven't got one, I think um, PJ's got some in the back. You can make sure that, so if you raise your hand if you don't have one. Um, how many of you have heard that song? Heard that song? Um, I remember hearing that song in 2011 and trying to understand what it meant. And I, I was just really drawn to that song. And I remember it would come on and I'd be in the car and I just, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. Um, you know, because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? So why is this so hard to understand? I think the Western church follows, um, followers of Jesus, um, we, we think it's, you know, we've been told that it, you follow Jesus and it's going to be an easy life. Um, but, you know, so don't, most Americans really believe that this is true. This is what, you know, what we're taught. And Satan has propagated this lie in America, and I fell into this trap uh, along with many others. When we believe this, we get trapped and begin to believe that if we think things aren't going the way that we think they should, or if God is not granting what we pray for, that he's not listening, not interested, not loving, and or he's punishing us for our disobedience. It's true that our sin has consequences, but just because God doesn't answer our expectations doesn't mean that he doesn't love us or that he's punishing us. In fact, God, um, God doesn't answer our prayers the way we think he should many times because he really does love us and he knows what's best. And besides, God never promised that this life was going to be a cakewalk. On the contrary, Jesus said in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So today I hope to demonstrate the truth that when we understand the significance and blessing of our suffering, it will bring joy. This morning we're going to uh, do a topical study on suffering, so God in his humor decided to have me bring this message to you, so you really do suffer. Um, really, my prayer is that by the time we're done, um, that you will be joyful, and not because I'm finally done, but because God has clearly shown you why and how you can have joy through suffering. I know that there are many in this church that have suffered way more than I have with the loss of children and with cancer, with declining health and Alzheimer's and dementia and various other things. So please don't feel that I'm preaching at you. I'm simply sharing encouragement that I have found in God's promises that we all know but often forget when we are going through the storms of life. This started for me last year when I was assigned to give a, a lecture in our local Bible study fellowship class. God always seems to give me lectures uh, that, I, that pertain to my current season of life at that particular time, and that week was no different. 
The lecture was scheduled for one year and one day after I ruined my son Kyle's 30th birthday by having a stroke. It was, it was really scary um, because I had a fluctuating stroke, which means I had a stroke that actually spun off about 25 episodes over about a 13-hour time span where my right side would go completely uh, numb and be paralyzed and my speech would slur for a couple of minutes. Now, I have to tell you, I wasn't afraid of dying. I was afraid that I would live with a permanent disability. And I'll tell you more about that later. It's my prayer that I can take you on a journey inside the many facets of suffering and how they transform us into the image of Christ, one degree of glory at a time, and that's 2 Corinthians 3.18. Now, as I dug into the topic of suffering, as I prepared for this message, I came to the realization that it's difficult to be joyful in affliction on this side of suffering, especially if we've never suffered in Christ before, um, um, in Christ before. Now, my namesake James said it well in James 1, 2, and 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let per- perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This should be our goal, but as James said, it's the testing that produces the perseverance, and as it finishes its work, it brings maturity and completeness. Um, This implies that we must experience suffering in order to learn how to navigate it so that Jesus could do his work to transform us. Now, again, I hope by the end uh, this morning that if you are like I was trying to figure out how the trials of this life are mercies in disguise, that you will more, more fully understand the joy that we can have when we more fully understand the benefits of suffering for Christ, through Christ, and in Christ. Um, So we're going to be jumping around a little bit, and uh, I've got this kind of divided into two divisions, and there's there's some on the the bulletin, and there's most of it's on those handouts, Um, but uh, I think the handout is the the bigger uh, emphasis, so don't want to throw too many things at you, but there's, there's just a lot here, and I think when we realize and, and understand this, it can give you clarity um, in your suffering. So the first division is suffering explained, and that's uh, we're going to have Proverbs 15, 31, and 32, and then the second part is suffering experience. So we're going to go through all the scripture, all the um, promises in the first part, so we're going to be reading a lot of scripture um, but then the second part, we're going to have some um, examples. So uh, number one, purpose. Uh, what is the purpose of suffering? Proverbs 15, 31 through 32 says, Whoever heeds life-giving correct, correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. So if we have life-giving, uh, if there's life-giving correction, if we heed that, we can gain understanding. So uh, under that uh, main point, we have some subpoints. Uh, so the purpose of suffering, what does it do? It accomplishes God's perfect purposes. Accomplishes God's perfect purposes. Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. Secondly, uh, it teaches sin's consequences. It teaches sin's consequences. Psalm 119.75, 
I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. So he afflicts us because he's faithful. And then the third point there, first approved by God. And we see that in Job, that Satan consulted God before he was allowed to afflict Job. So everything goes through God's hands. It's not doesn't come to us unless God has allowed it. Uh, D, not always uh, caused by our personal sin, but certainly because of original sin. So John 9, Jesus was asked why the man was born blind, because of his sin or his parents. And Jesus said, neither, but to display the glory of God. So we, uh, you know, we affliction it is designed to also glorify God. And then uh, it, the last thing there is it transforms us. It transforms us. Again, James tells us in chapter 1, the testing of our faith produces perseverance, and when we allow it to finish its work, it matures and completes us. So don't short-circuit suffering. Embrace it. Our second point, suffering exposes our weaknesses. It exposes our weaknesses. The world embraces the lie that that's, we suffer because we are weak. Paul tells us that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Su- strength, or suffering strengthens us. It is often only when we feel our weakest that we sense our need for God. So the second point, suffering exposes our weakness. And then third, suffering draws us closer to God by, number one, exposing unbelief. Exposing unbelief. Peter tells us that suffering has come to prove our faith genuine in other words, to expose our wrong beliefs to get us on the right track. Secondly, suffering draws us closer by increasing understanding of God's goodness. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Third, suffering draws us closer by increasing our thirst for God's presence. I think that was even in one of the worship songs that we sang. David said it in Psalm 63, My soul thirsts for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And then suffering draws us closer to God by intensifying prayer and fasting. Examples of, uh, would be Jesus in the garden. Um, and being in anguish, uh, he, as he prayed more earnestly, the sweat was, was like drops of blood. So then our fourth point is other suffering. What do we get from other suffering? Number one, how does your, the way others suffer inspire us? Paul tells us in Philippians 1 that he was in chains for Christ and that it happened to him to advance the gospel. So when others see us suffer and do it the way God wants us to, it can advance the gospel. Secondly, how does the way we suffer inspire others? God uses our suffering to help others be more courageous in their trials. And then how does suffering unite us? God uses our past suffering by giving us compassion for others so we can encourage others who are struggling with storms that we've already survived. So it, brings, it unites us. It unites believers, but it also unites us in, with Christ. The fourth point, we come to, to more fully know the power of his res- resurrection when we share in his sufferings for his sake. And that's Philippians 3.10. So then what are the benefits of suffering? Joy. 
joy. Peter told us to rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that we may be overjoyed. Another benefit of suffering is purification. 1 Peter 1, in the New Living Trans, uh, Translation, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. The pressure of suffering in this life, when done well, will refine us just as the impurities are brought forth under the high temperatures and removed to purify gold. Psalm 102 says that my heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. Now, major trials have a way of putting things in perspective for us, don't they? And, and they open us our eyes to how the little meaningless things of life can distract us from what is really most important. The third thing, uh, the, uh, the third benefit of suffering is wisdom. <coughs> Proverbs 15, 31. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard, disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. And then we have trust. Our trust is increased from Psalm uh, 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and my staff, they comfort me. So our trust is increased as we go through those times. And then there's hope, perseverance, and character. Hope, perseverance, and character. Romans 8, 5, 3 through 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. And then there's reward in Luke 6, 22. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. So we who uh, you know, experience suffering for Christ's sake, that we will, be, um, we, will, we will be lifted up and blessed. And then we're strengthened, um, and that's 1 Peter 5.10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So what are the higher purposes of suffering? The higher purposes of suffering, first of all, is the advancement of the gospel. Paul said in Colossians 1 that he rejoiced in his suffering for our sake, filling up his flesh with Christ's affliction for the sake of the church. So advancement of the gospel. And then there's glorification of God, glorifying God. When, God, when Job was afflicted, he fell to the ground and worshiped God, saying, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then another higher purpose, which it makes us long for heaven because it really reminds us that the world can never fully satisfy, never really fully satisfy us. Sorry, I just, uh, when I grabbed my computer, it skipped forward. So where was I? I was on... Um, thank you. Um, so C, makes us long for heaven because it really might... Uh, so we, we just said that, right? Sorry. 
So D, it increases our hope for the second coming of Christ. Revelation 21.4 reminds us that he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. So no more suffering. So that's the higher, another higher purpose of suffering is it lo- helps us long for... Who, who, who here doesn't want Jesus to come back like yesterday? And then um, it, it's, it gives us, it's the privilege to share in Christ's suffering. So Philippians 129, New Living Translation, for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. So believe it or not, it's a privilege to suffer for Jesus. And then it's uh, sanctifying power. Peter said, whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. The question for you and me is, are we willing to suffer in the body by not quenching our sinful desires? Or do you think it's better for our souls to suffer as we pursue sin? Then there's glorifying of the believer. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. This promise is not, only simpl- uh, is not simply that once our troubles are over that we will receive glory, but that the troubles themselves are accomplishing that glory. Greater suffering, the greater the suffering, the greater the glory. And then there's the perfection of the believer. Did you know or remember in Hebrews 2.10 that God found it fitting that Jesus, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, should be the pioneer of our salvation, made perfect through his suffering. The words that are used here for made perfect means to learn obedience through suffering. So if Jesus came to show us how to do it, then shouldn't we follow his example and learn obedience through the suffering we share with him? And if, we, if he was perfected through this, then we know that we will be too. And then it enables sacrificial giving. 2 Corinthians 1.6 says, If we are distressed, it is for your comfort. David refused to give the Lord that which cost him nothing. Um, giving in a way that causes us suffering is the most valuable gift we can give. And isn't it that what God the Father and the Son did for us? So it enables sacrificial giving. And then it changes priorities. Priorities are changed. Psalm 119.67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. So pain is a gift because it motivates us to stop what we are doing to avoid further damage to ourselves. And then there's evangelism opportunities. Once again, Paul speaks of his chains in Philippians 1. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So again, when we suffer well, it will advance the gospel. And then it conforms us into the image of Christ. It conforms us into the image of Christ. In 1 Peter 2, he tells us, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. And then in uh, all of these things should make us more zealous for God and should increase our desire for good works. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us up to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, 
upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. So it should make us more zealous. So principle one, suffering is life-giving for the believer when we understand God's purpose. That would be back on the bulletin again. (laughs) Suffering is life-giving for the believer when we understand God's purpose. Think about it. Only believers suffer in a way that, um, that, I'm sorry, only unbelievers suffer in ways that don't benefit them. In fact, all suffering for an unbeliever is seen as negative. Therefore, there are no benefits. There's no life to be found in suffering for the unbeliever. Why all suffering is beneficial for a believer? Because it is orchestrated by God for our good and his glory. The benefits of suffering depend on our right response to it. When we more fully understand the benefits of suffering, our chances of a right response increase. Everything God does is for good reason. He does not waste his time or ours, and he, is, and he does nothing arbitrarily. What a blessing it is to know that absolutely everything that ever happens to us, down to the smallest detail, is pers- uh, purposeful, intentional, loving, wise, beneficial. And it's a, it's a step in God's grand and glorious design for our lives as he unfolds his perfect life-giving plan for us. Now, how might you be suffering today? Do you understand the significance and the importance of the suffering? What, what might God be trying to refine in your life? And how may he be trying to transform you more into the image of his son through your current trial? Division two, suffering experienced. So we went through all of the benefits, the purpose of suffering, all the scripture now. We're going to get into the, where the rubber meets the road. This is suffering experience. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This past week, as I was working through this exercise of understanding the grand design and purpose of suffering, the Holy Spirit led me to apply it to my own suffering and the suffering that I have witnessed of my daughter, Kristen, of my son-in-law, Kyle's mom, of my good friend, Miles, who's in the back there. Um, And um, I can't begin to describe what a blessing it was to look back in retrospect and clearly see how the Lord has been working in my life through these trials and the joy that it gives me now that he, to, to know that he loves me way too much to give me lesser things. Before I get into my own past struggle, I would like to pull a couple of observations from the nation of Judah. 
I love the paradox that we see as the Lord allowed Judah to be taken into captivity by the Babylonians to protect them from being doomed to a permanent captivity that they were falling into by following false gods and being corrupted by the idolatry of the surrounding nations. God had let it go on long enough as, as he uh, hoped that they would turn back and follow him, but it had, not, it had gotten to the point where they were in danger of being absorbed by the wicked nations around them and permanently losing their unique identity. This, of course, would um, not have only doomed the nation of Israel, but also the whole world. Remember that God promised Abraham that he would make him into a great nation and that he would bless all nations through them. The people on the earth, um, as well, all, all people on the earth. So we, of course, know that this would be done through the tribe of Judah as, um, it, as that was the line of Messiah. But how could this be accomplished if Judah lost its identity and simply became like all the other people of that region? So God in his sovereignty stepped in and protected them from permanent suffering by allowing them to suffer temporarily for 70 years in Babylon. What was the result? What was the result? He saved a remnant in Babylon that returned to rebuild Jerusalem, and we know that they would never again be corrupted by the idolatry and false gods of the surrounding nations. This preserved the line of David so that Jesus could be born and become the Savior of the world. I next want to tell you uh, about an amazing man that I recently met by the name of Miles. Miles was wrongfully imprisoned for 28 years for a murder uh, and was released, um, a murder that he didn't commit and was released two years ago. He was given a 30-year sentence and was released two years early because of good behavior. In his own words, while he was in prison, he didn't count the days, but he made the days count. As he became a paralegal and learned and mastered baking, he became a certified hazmat remover as well as becoming a seamster. And that is not to be confused with the seamstress. He was a seamster. Miles has the record for the longest-running post-conviction petition in the history of the U.S. and I think the world. For 22 years, his petition for a new evidentiary hearing sat on a judge's docket and was delayed over and over by continuance after continuance. This man was innocent and had the evidence to prove it, but the court would not allow it to be heard. Miles was failed by the law enforcement and the court system for 28 years, but yet this man is not bitter. When I met him, that was the thing that really drew me to him. It's, he was not bitter, and I'm like, I don't know that I could go through what he went through and not be bitter. He did tell me that before the murder that he had made some bad decisions and he was selling drugs in Chicago. And then his wife said something that really got my attention. She said she felt that God put Miles in prison to protect him. Wow. She went on that if he had continued in the direction he was going while with the dealing, that he may have eventually, uh, that may have eventually escalated to the point where he could have murdered someone or become a victim himself. So much like Judah, God put Miles into a temporary captivity to save him from a permanent 
captivity. Miles found a real relationship with Jesus in prison, and he told me that this was the best thing that ever happened to him. Now let me tell you about some poor financial decisions that I made several years ago. I've been self-employed since 1986 and bought into some bad advice when I was stated out um, when I started out in the insurance business. I was told that I needed to be, appear to be successful before I actually was. The term was, fake it till you make it. That should have been my first clue, <laughs> or first warning, that I needed to you know, not do that, but I bought in, and this would begin a 28-year struggle with money. Now, by the time I realized the trap, it was too late, and I could not free myself from it. I was always robbing from Peter to pay Paul, and it was, an ex it was excruciatingly painful. Painful, uh, you know, is a juggling act. God, you, and he, God, but God used this milestone around my neck, or I'm sorry, millstone around my neck to get my attention and to draw me into a deeper relationship with him. I want to now walk you through the suffering that he endured and describe it, um, describe how it molded me. I'm sorry, we endured and describe how it molded me into the image of Jesus. Suffering exposed my wrong belief about money that were passed down through my father's family that put a distorted emphasis on materialistic and social standing. It was a generational curse, I believe. God used this financial suffering to change my priorities and values regarding money and possessions. God graciously used this struggle to mercy, um, mercy, okay, Versus, I can't say it, to discipline and humble me in his mercy. I'll just say it that way. It intensified my prayer life, and it led me into fasting. I didn't know how to fast before this, but I, and nobody taught me how, but I, I figured it out. I knew that I needed to start fasting. Um, I remember for many years, I fasted on Mondays, and I remember I, my, t my lunch hour, was working over in Morton, and I would drive out next to this lake, and I would just sit there and want, look over the lake and pray. This trial increased my perseverance and strengthened me as I saw God meet needs, but in his sovereignty, not completely release me from the mess I created. I remember countless times saying to God that I had learned my lesson. Can't you just free me from this captivity, I would say, that I've created? But in his perfect timing... He would not allow that to be until it was, it was time. That refining fire, he had to get every last drop of dross um, removed from me. He had to crush every last ounce of, of financial impurity out of me. God then used the struggle to display his miraculous powers. He created a scenario and made a way where there seemed to be no way to pour out his blessing so that I could dig out of that hole that I had created in a relatively short time. This accomplished his perfect purposes in my life by changing my view of money and how I should steward it. It took my eyes off of what money could provide and put my eyes on instead the provider, Jesus. And all through this process, he has deepened my trust in him as I have experienced his love and faithfulness and the careful way he led me through a very difficult, painful, and necessary season. Praise God that he used suffering 
to restore me for his original purpose as he mo um, motivated me to change. He has imparted wisdom to me as I have learned from mistakes and successes. And this whole trial has created a greater yearning for God in my life and made me more zealous to do good works for his glory because of the mir miraculous freedom he has provided for me as he brought me out of financial captivity and showed me a better way. Now, you may be thinking, how do you know that, you've ch that he's changed your views about money? Well, I know because of what I've done and didn't do since he finally opened that floodgate of blessing in my life. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect in this area, but I'm not the same guy who got into the mess in the first place. And I never want to go back there. It was definitely worth the temporary pain of 28 years so I wouldn't have to experience a lifetime of pain. It increases my joy even now as I recall the paradoxical blessing of its maturing sanctification as he brought life where before there was death. Now you may recall, I don't know if you guys remember this, but my daughter Kristen was diagnosed with breast cancer in December of 2021. Now, she's much earlier in her trial, but I know that she could share many of the blessings that I've described with you with my struggle. This battle has grown her spiritually and has softened her in many ways. It's also created a deeper bond between the two of us because of our shared suffering. Health, has, health scares have a wonderful way of putting the truly important things in perspective, and God brings a special fellowship to believers who have had similar scares. These trials release a special compassion between those who have shared the same kinds of suffering and gives us the privilege to come alongside someone who was earlier in the process to bring encouragement. Now, my son-in-law, Kyle, that I told you I ruined his 30th birthday, his mom, Pam, was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer in August of 22. So just recently, she was a believer at the time, but has shared that her walk was not fully committed to Jesus. It was devastating news, but it has lit a spiritual fire in her that is truly inspiring and encouraging as many watch her navigate this storm with grace and beauty. Principle two, suffering experience brings joy when we understand its sanctifying power. Suffering experienced brings joy when we understand its sanctifying power. Some time ago, it came to my realization that God uses suffering in our lives to mold us into his likeness. After that first epiphany, when one of our original leaders from my Bible study fellowship class told me that he had been in prison and that it was the best thing that had ever happened to him, I remember that it was just like, it just blew my mind because I'd never really talked to anybody but about things like that. So, I've kind of made it a, a, a practice when I, when I meet somebody who's had a really, really difficult time in their life to ask them, would you go back and change things? And I have not had one person yet say that they would, and that includes things like prison. Of course, we've been talking about those. Health crisis for themselves uh, and even their children, financial hardship, um, and more. Now, God protected Judah and in his ultimate plan of salvation by allowing them to be taken into captivity for 70 years, God protected Miles by allowing a wrongful conviction that put him away for 28 years. 
God protected me for 28 years from financial ruin by allowing me to struggle financially. Now, how's that for a trio of paradoxes? Saved from permanent captivity through temporary captivity. Saved from imprisonment for a lifetime through wrongful imprisonment. And finally, saved from financial ruin through financial struggle. What an awesome God we have. How are you struggling today? What is your attitude towards this suffering? Do you feel that God is punishing you? Are you mad at God for allowing this? Are you having a hard time recognizing how God is trying to mold you more into his image? I also included a list, A to Z, of, um, in that second page. And uh, it, I, I, I would just challenge you. Um, that was the list that I used as I was thinking back on my experience, my suffering experience. And I just went through there and identified the things that God has done in my life. Um, and it, it was just a really powerful um, uh, a really powerful exercise. And I would challenge you guys, if you're going through something right now, um, I, would, I would challenge you to do that. See how God is faithful. See how he's using it in your life. And I think it might change your mind if you're having you know, really difficult uh, thoughts about um, the whole idea of suffering. Um, I recently heard a testimony that involved hardship and suffering, and the man who shared it told that um, he then heard a message in a church uh, on Philippians 1 that we've already referenced a few times about Paul being in chains. I'll just, let me read that for you. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of Christ, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dared all the more to be proclaim the gospel without fear. The pastor then said something that this man shared and that I will never forget. When we are suffering in chains, the chains of sickness, addiction, death, financial hardship, and much more, we have a choice. We can either choose to curse our chains or we can choose to consecrate our chains. We can choose to curse our chains or we can choose to consecrate our chains. And I've seen three beautiful examples of chains being consecrated in the lives of my daughter Kristen and Miles and in Pam. And right now I just want to finish out by um, showing Pam's powerful testimony that bring these, brings these truths to life in three minutes way more powerfully than I could do in the time I've had here today. And this was just taped two weeks ago. She was just recently baptized uh, by your son, Kyle. And I just want you guys to listen to this. It's beautiful. This last year um, has completely changed my life. I was diagnosed with cancer. And um, I have just been on a beautiful spiritual journey um, since then, uh, thanks to my son, Kyle, who has sat with me in the very first time I was in the hospital and 
you know, I was, you know, sad and, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, my grandbabies and, you know, my kids and all these things I'm going to miss out on, you know, and he's like, mom, he's like, God's the only one that knows when our last day is. And he's like, so, you know, be happy today and be thankful today and be present every day. And that has just been so important to just, um, yeah, just be thankful and grateful. And there's so many people that are in other situations worse than mine. You never think that you want to get cancer and you, you know, you want to be a, this is your story, your part of your story, but man, I have been blessed so much. So I can't say that I regret it because I wouldn't be, you know, my relationship with Jesus would not be where it is today. Yeah, you have things that happen and I have, you know, a recent progression with my cancer and so, you know, it was kind of a something I wasn't expecting. Um, and then I opened my devotion the other day and it said, you experience God on the mountain, but you get to know him in the valley. like that's sums it up right there so it's just been I just want to help other people like even when it seems the bleakest of the bleak you know the bottom of the valley it's not you know and I just I feel such peace and such love and just being able to share that with other people and and that this does not define who I am. A cancer diagnosis is not who I am. I am his child, and that's what defines me. Amen. I hope you can understand more fully after today the significance and blessing of our suffering so that it will bring joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for the gift of suffering, although we often don't see it as a gift. Help us to more fully understand, Lord, how you use it to mold us more into your image and to bring, you, bring us closer to you. I thank you for Pam's testimony. I thank you for Miles' testimony and for Kristen's testimony. And I, I just pray, Lord, that um, whatever these people who are here today may be suffering, Lord, that they would use it bring honor and glory to you. So we just pray all these things in the awesome name of Jesus. Amen.